These two for these two days, and it has been thoroughly entertaining. Lively game last night. Flyers and Devils surpassed by what these teams have done. Free puck, Panarin! And it's in the net! Will it count? It crossed the line, but the net was off! And the officials are going to talk about it! Travel day for Dave Panyota yesterday, and uh, the coach, John Goen, has filled in. A little swap here, hockey heaven at 11, Campbell versus Gallo. I'm Sean Campbell. He's Mitch Gallo. we got Peter Vrionis alongside for the ride today. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. Rested. Long, uh, long weekend in New York and Jersey for the stadium series, but uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, those those two games uh, seem like they were a lot of fun. I dove more into the Sunday afternoon than the Saturday night. The Canadians playing the Saturday night, and our Temi Panarin uh, scores it in overtime. I'm sure there were, out of the 79,000 fans there, a few that were confused why that was a good goal. Yeah, um, and, and I get it, uh, but with, with you know momentum of the puck going in, basically, easiest way to describe it, um, the puck, if the, the net comes off its moorings, as long as the puck is veering into the net, it still counts. So easiest way to kind of outline and, and describe that situation. But um, it was a good goal. It was going in. Rangers pull it off. Um, and the Islanders' PK continues to suck. So um, eventually, uh, at some point, they'll try to address that. I don't know uh, how far away you were, but could you see steam coming out of the ears of Patrick Waugh or what? <laughs> I was closer to Lou Lamorello in the press box, so I could, <laughs> I could, I could see it coming from a few boxes down. Yeah. Um, that's, that's for sure. He kept it cool. Patrick Waugh kept it cool. I give him credit. Uh, but clear frustration on their part to, to give up you know, the uh, two-goal lead and then to lose it so quickly in overtime. Definitely not uh, doesn't doesn't help their chances. Certainly, especially with New Jersey winning the night before and Detroit winning the night before as well, or the day before. Um, but the Islanders still in the thick of things, and, and their mindset, um, for the most part, at least from management side, remains geared uh, and, and and dead set on making the playoffs. So we'll see how active they get in the next two and a half weeks here ahead of the deadline. How about uh, the fact that Lou Lamorello, since you mentioned him, is the uh, fun police? Right, everybody's coming in to the uh, stadium with these oh. uh, cool, different ideas. Whether it's uh, Sopranos or whatever. Uh, meanwhile, here come the Islanders in their suit and ties. I, I mean, zero percent surprised. Um, unfortunately, that's lose lose rules. It is what it is. It's not going to last much longer. Um, uh, from from what I'm hearing, maybe another season before the Islanders make a switch in that respect. Um, but you know, this act is, this act is getting old. This, this event is meant to be fun and you're now being, you know, you're, you're discussing and yes, it is meaningful. And, and yes, it's very impactful. These were two important games with the Rangers Islanders and, and Flyers Devils. Um, and I get all of that, but you, you take away from, from the, the added fun off the ice leading into, leading into this weekend, um, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a putsy move on uh, on his part, but I'm not again. I'm not surprised. So let's leave it at that. All right. Just on that note, though, this is you know the stadium series, the Heritage Classic, the Winter Classic, uh, the narrative of there's too many. It happens too often. It's out there. But then I I see seventy nine thousand. I see exactly. that the NHL loves it. 
I look at the players, you, you know, the, the Rocky outfits, like uh, Mitch was, uh, you know, the Sopranos, and then, of course, the Rangers got into it as well. Um, the players are into it. They love these moments. Like, I think people that just, they just want to sour on something that's actually pretty good. If, if there were 50,000 people in an arena or stadium that can hold 79, just under 80,000 for a game like this, then, yeah, we're having a different discussion. But they sold out both games. Um, now, there were more tickets available for yesterday, or excuse me, for Sunday's game. Because if you notice, on, on Saturday, they had the Jonas Brothers concert. And the three sections directly behind the Jonas Brothers, they had to be empty um, for some security reasons, but also they had a pyro show going on. So that's like 5,000, three to 5,000 seats that they couldn't fill. And that's why you saw such a, such a difference in the two games from, um, from a capacity standpoint. But they still sold them out. Next year, they're going to Ohio Stadium. They're going to the Horseshoe, which is going to seat more than 100,000 people. And I can tell you, there's going to be more than 100,000 people there. Um, the atmosphere for these events are, are outstanding. And, and the tailgate aspect that's tied to this, especially for football stadiums, is great. I went outside before um before the game on on sunday and islander ranger fans going nuts tailgating having a great time talking to some fans are saying this is what the whole experience is it's the game is one thing um and, and the in-game atmosphere is is you know part of it but it's everything that's tied to it the fanfare the fun stuff you get to do the tailgating everything whatever you get to do over the course of the weekend um that's that's what encompasses the, the, the overall takeaways from this. And when you're you know, generating core memories, you're not just thinking about the game. You're thinking about all the fun that kind of comes along with it. So if you want to crap all over these types of events, go for it. Likely means you've never been to one. All right. So let me um, bring the Montreal aspect in on that conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. You talk about 79,000 next year, uh, 100,000. They, they love these big marquee events. We know the NHL loves Montreal and bringing events to Montreal and uh, the players, they love this city. And Dave, you know, if Montreal ever had an event like that, they would kill it. Would the NHL consider an outdoor game at a place that only seats 20 to 25,000? They would prefer not to. Um, We spoke with both Gary Bettman and Steve Mayer, um, over the course of the weekend, I had a bunch of chats with them and um, discussing a variety of different options. And it's on, it's, it's, it's an option. Um, as I asked about Montreal specifically, I also asked about Ottawa and the whole talk of on the Rideau and all that stuff. And that I don't think will happen, but um, it, it is picturesque and, and does look good. But in terms of having something in a smaller type stadium, you know, they've done it before. They did it in Toronto when they played the Capitals. Uh, and I think there was just under 30,000 people there. Um, I think it was 25 or something along those lines. Um, it, it, the ticket and the gate is one thing. It's, it's the overall experience and atmosphere tied to it. And I think eventually there will be a Heritage Classic in Montreal. Um, I, I don't know how soon. It certainly won't be next season because the only outdoor game they're doing outside of the Winter Classic will be the game in Columbus. Um, but is it in 25, 26, 27, 28? I think it would be along those lines. I believe the Canadians will be involved in games overseas uh, in the not-too-distant future. 
Um, I know that doesn't apply to the market itself in market, um, but the Canadians uh, are all but set to go to Paris in 2025. Um, next season, part of the global series, uh, there's going to be um, Buffalo and New Jersey playing in Prague in October, and then Florida and Dallas in Tempere, Finland in November of 24 of this year. The following year, I believe the games will be in Paris and Stockholm. And I believe the Canadians are all but set to go to Paris in October of 25. So if anything, from a major event perspective, that's next on the docket. Uh, Mitch, I know you've never been to Paris. Uh, Dave, have you been to Paris? I have not. Okay. I'll show you guys around. I'll show you guys around, okay? Cue up that song. Yeah. Oh, Champs-Élysées. <laughs> I'll be singing it on a loop, I promise. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, major events, uh, Dave, uh, any trades uh, coming up for the Canadians or what? And they're working on it. Um, it, it. It's funny. When I got to New York, I actually ran into Kent Hughes um, in the middle of the street um, in, in Manhattan, uh, joking around a little bit about uh, what, what they may do. And uh, they're still they're having conversations. They're, they're looking around and seeing what, you know, what is out there, whether it's a deal involving Jake Allen, whether it's somebody you know, else on, on the roster, a Yol Armia, a uh, David Savard, something else they're listing. Um, it doesn't sound like they're you know, overly aggressive in trying to get someone out of there. Uh, but the Canadians are, are in a position where they've got some assets that some teams could use, and they're going to sit back and kind of wait to see how things kind of kind of play out. There was a bit of a lull right after All-Star, up until I'd say maybe Friday or Saturday, where things really started to quiet down league-wide. Um, and, and maybe this was just everybody just playing their game and uh, – uh, he'll call me when he needs to and vice versa. Uh, but things started to kind of really quiet down involving a number of, of, of different players and a number of different teams. It started to revive a little bit over the weekend. And I expect now that we're, you know, almost well, we're two and a half weeks now from the deadline, I suspect that that will definitely begin to pick up. Um, but from, from the Habs perspective, I think everybody knows where their position is, where they stand. It's just a matter of, you know, teams evaluating their options and then coming back to, to Kent Hughes and his staff and saying, all right, we want to do this, this, and that. How much do the uh, Calgary Flames control the market right now? They're annoying a lot of people, um, <laughs> myself included. Um, but because of their situation, they're, they're yeah, they are, so without, without question. Um, the goaltending market for some teams involving Markstrom, and I do believe New Jersey um, has already cycled back, circled back, excuse me, um, to kind of re-engage in those discussions involving uh, Jacob Markstrom. Um, but Noah Hannafin and, and Chris Tanev are, are the ones really holding things up here uh, across the board. You've got you know other players that are out there, defensemen, Sean Walker and Matt Dumba and Ilya Labushkin and so on and so on. And then you've got guys with term like Savard and, and a few others. Um, but a lot of it is being controlled by Craig Conroy and, and the Flames and what they end up doing and what the returns are. It's more so the returns. Uh, so teams that have these other assets are going, okay, well, if, if Chris Tanev moves for a first plus, then I can at least get a first for my guy, or at least that's the mindset. Uh, so we thought that that kind of would escalate things on the forward market after Lindholm left and Monaghan w- moved the next day. Um, but it's kind of stabilized. Uh, and, and from a, the D market specifically, it, 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 all roads kind of lead in and out of Calgary for now. 
But once we get to that two-week mark, that's when some teams that are in the race are going to say, all right, we need to know if we're still in this legitimately or not. Otherwise, we have to shift gears. And we're still a few days away from something like that. See, the only thing I don't understand with Calgary, if if I'm Craig Conroy, I would have traded Chris Tanev yesterday. Like, this is yeah. a guy who's willing to block shots with his face. I saw him two weeks ago leave games twice and come back. Like, how are you holding on to an asset that is so risky in the style that he plays? He could get hurt any game. Yeah, and, and we're also nearing the time where a lot of different teams, um, you know, start to pull guys for, um, you know, the trade protection or protecting the asset or whatever the hell they want to call it. Um, imminent trade is basically what it is. Um, but I think part of the reason is they haven't gotten the offers that they expect. They haven't gotten the first round plus pick from them. I know like Toronto, for example, has offered a package of parts, but doesn't really, it's not exactly what Calgary's looking for. They want to, they don't want a third, fourth and a prospect. They want a first and a third. Um, and, and it just, it isn't there yet. Um, you know, for, for a lot of teams, uh, cause everyone again is still, there's a buffer, right? There's no, the deadline isn't here yet. So there's no need to really escalate things. And if we, if we could try to play the game and convince somebody to take less, then we, we'd love to be able to do that. So that's kind of the mindset right now. So that's why we haven't seen either movement on either Tanev or Hannafin's front. Um, and at the same time, it's not, it hasn't been close enough where it's time to quote unquote protect the asset by pulling them from games. But we're, again, we're nearing that point where that kind of stuff usually happens around the two-week mark. Dave, just a couple of technical questions uh, for you because it came up uh, the other day with Mitch just to, you know, and we were using Tampa as an example, of course, and you just made a point that, like, Toronto, they want to do things, but they have to make a package instead of something that's really enticing. Uh, how far away can you trade a, a draft pick? Could you trade a draft pick in 2028? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't um, know if there was like legal rules for that. Campbell, Campbell's, Campbell not, wants uh, draft picks for the Canadians in 2045. No, he no, it's not for the Canadians. This is just for regular <laughs> deals. So, like, no, no, but I'm thinking. No, I know, I know what you're getting. I'm just having fun with it. Yeah. So the example I'm giving is a, a team like Tampa that yeah. you know they they don't have a, a first round draft pick until 2026 because they've traded them all, right? Uh, yeah. but, and, and at some point they're going to want to keep them. But if they want to get something because they're missing Sergachev and they want a defenseman, they may have to give up for her first round pick. Would could you see a team going okay, 2028 first round draft pick? But we know every first round pick. It's protected, but because they're so desperate that those further away draft picks would be unprotected draft picks. Uh, it, it, it honestly, it depends on it depends on what else is coming along in a package. Like if it's just that pick for a Tana, for example, Calgary's not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But if it's if if you're getting some immediate, um, you know, something juicy right now, and the real meat at the end of the bone is, is, is in 28, for example, then depending on where teams are at, they could accept that. I mean, it depends again on, you know, how full is their cupboard from a, from a draft capital and prospect position. Um, and, and then kind of go, and then, and then you basically go from there. It's rare. It doesn't happen often. Um, usually it's usually three years out is, is kind of where we're at. Um, four is a little aggressive, um, but there is no restriction on it. It's it's just that's okay. the kind of where 
where, where things are. It just depends, again, on, on the overall value, plus what the teams already have stockpiled in their cupboards. I always think of when they trade someone like in 2026 or 2027, I'm like, some 14-year-old just got traded. <laughs> yeah. it's a funny right. way of looking at right? it like it, that's, you, that's that's, an interesting, yeah you, you said 2028 and i always joke that's my uh, son's draft year i'm like that's crazy like just <laughs> it could be a lightning by then yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks for clarifying that dave and uh thanks for uh swapping days no thank you guys we'll talk soon